You're listening to Paint the Town Podcast with your hosts. LA Street Art Gallery resident artist, teacher, and founder of LA Street Art Gallery, James Chen of um, we just want to kind of do a uh, end of season um, recap kind of episode. I mean, it's kind of been we've been doing this podcast all year, kind of right. Yeah. Uh, when when was your show, Teach? My show was in May. May. May okay. 25th. So yeah, we kind of started in May, and now it's the end of the year is kind of closing in, and um, it's been quite a journey, man. I mean, <laughs> we, we've done we've done how many episodes now? Uh, uh, I think we did a total of let's see. I think 14, and this will be the 15th episode or something like that, you know? No way. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, we, we started off with, like, uh, Colette Miller, and then oh, we yeah. had, uh, um, let's see, who else did we have? We had Padilla, we had Joe Cool, and we had Risky, we had Plastic Jesus. I mean, it, it, Jeremy Novi, uh, you know, Professor Jim, Stephen Trusty Levy, Jesse Scribe, yeah. Um, Scott Lane, we had uh, Franklin, we had Mitchell, basically, and... Uh, you know, Cali as well, too. So it's been quite a journey, man. I kind of just want to get your thoughts on, you know, what this podcast uh, has meant to to you doing this, man. I just, I like the, first of all, I like the variety of the people we interviewed. Yeah. You know, we had a pretty diverse, you know, a selection of people, and I'd like to continue that. Yeah. I think yeah. that's really cool. Instead of just doing street artists or just doing musicians, you know, it's nice to have other people. And, um, the face-to-face has been the best. You yeah. Know, just, when you see someone face-to-face after, um, you know, hearing about him for so long, it, it, it really helps put a personality to it. And um, it's really cool getting to know him. Yeah, that's know? how I kind of felt about, like, you know, Stephen, for example. Um, you know, I had seen his sticker all over the place. Oh, yeah, Stephen Levy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I know. Yeah, Stephen Levy. And it's just interesting, man. I mean... That, and also Franklin, man. It's kind of just like I've been seeing their stickers. I've been seeing the repaste on the street. I'm it's eight years from, now. Eight years since I've been seeing his, his image. And then to be able to sit here and uh, just talk to the man. I mean, to be honest, man, like, um, you know, we invited him to your studio today, uh, Franklin. And, you know, we've been inviting people to my, uh, you know, to my office, basically. Mm-hmm. I, at first, man, I really, really was apprehensive of some people because... Um, just, just meeting people on the internet, it's been interesting to me. But you know sure. what? So you never far, know what man, they're going to be like in person. And you know what, though? It's been a really positive experience oh, for me, dude. man. Like, not so just, much more than I could have ever imagined. Yeah, and you know what? I've met people that love the podcast who uh, you know, come out to my shows, basically. And it's, it's just such a great way to connect with people, man. I mean, um, you know, when we started LA Street Gallery... This is what I was talking about, the access to the artist, man. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, you, you see a piece on the street, and I always just wonder, it's like, of course, yeah, that's nice art. Or even when it's not nice art, um, to, to me, I still want to know the story behind it because the techniques and how they make their stencils, it's just, you know, yeah. every artist has a story. Why are you now. putting it out there? What, what are you trying to accomplish? And exactly. What yeah. do you think of other people? Yeah, and you know, we used to do this by like actually creating like kind of like a trailer for the artist, you know. I mean, you know, we did with you, Teach, right? Yeah, the interviews you guys did were amazing. Yeah, I mean, but things like it was so time consuming because you have to edit the video and it involves so many parties, man. I think, I mean, this podcast, the bigger picture involves a lot of parties, but at the end of the day, it's kind of just a few guys sitting down 
in front of a few mics and without a format too. Yeah, you know, I think that's important also because when you have an outline, and you got to follow and go through and everything. Then all of a sudden, you got you start rushing with certain things because you're like, wait, I got to get this part in and everything. And I just, I that's one of the things I like about this yeah. is how organic it is. Yeah, man. We touch on all different things, you know. Yeah, and I, I really think like one of the interesting things is like the collaborations. It's it's kind of like brought on. I mean, um, you know, when when you meet these artists and sit down and talk to them like for an hour, I mean, you kind of feel like, you're, you know, your friends are at least acquaintances. Yeah, you bond with them. It's yeah, a bonding exactly. experience. I, you, you know, know, when we did the interview, for example, with, uh, with Jeremy Novi, you know, um, uh, we ended up doing a, a collaboration piece on a wall down on Melrose, you know, yeah, and I mean, that being a great piece, people love it and everything. And that never would have happened if we hadn't been doing this podcast. That's the power of the internet, man. I mean, Honestly, like, I remember back in the day, it used to be, like, weird to meet somebody online. There was this thing called, uh, well, you definitely haven't heard of this. It's called Asian Avenue, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sounds kind of cool, though. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely you haven't heard of this. This is, like, in the AOL days, like, the IRC kind of days where, like, the thing is, like, you know, yeah, there's, like, these, like, we call them ABGs, Asian baby girls, okay? They're from the, the girls that are Asian from my neighborhood that kind of wear like the short shorts, the highest like socks and things like that and nice. skinny strap. Like those type of girls are all called ABGs and they'd be, all be on this site called uh, Asian Avenue where you can make your own profile kind of things. And you know, it, like I said, it was like the, the first of the social medias in a sense, you know. I okay. remember back in the day how there was like chat rooms and things like that. And No, you know, I forgot, you didn't, you no. thought the internet was a fad. I, uh, <laughs> luckily I skipped by all that. I'm old enough to, to have by the time the chat rooms were happening, um, I was on to other things. And um, yeah, I, I, being an artist, it was trying to use mainly traditional you know, materials and medium, um, I, I thought that uh, you know, the computer was to, you know, the tools of Lucifer, you know, because what they can do, you, know, you take a photo or something like that, you scan it in, you push a button, like I want it done in Van Gogh style, and this thing would spit it back out. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you, you felt know, like it was going to take your job. <laughs> it has, it has in some respects. It's uh, it's made it harder to, to be an artist and, and sell your stuff because like everybody's an artist now. Well, imagine photographers, man. I mean, oh, everybody's yeah. a photographer now, right? I yeah, mean, exactly. Can put on the filters, make it. But nice. you know, at the at the same time, though, it, it um, also makes it easier to reach more people. Yeah, which yeah. is a good thing. So, um, but yeah, by the time. Um, the chat rooms came around and everything. I, I was unfortunately just a little bit over <laughs> having that much um, input and participation in things that where I could not see people's faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, there's a lot to be said for being able to look someone in the eye and talk to them. I guarantee uh, you, there would be a lot less problems in this world if people could just get in a room one on one, not in the United Nations Assembly. You know, where everyone's carrying their ego and whatever in with them. You know, if you could just get these people to somehow um, just meet with each other one-on-one, -on -one, um, face to face, I guarantee you the dynamic would be completely different. Well, do you think we're getting more? Um, well, before we go back on that, I just want to touch on that. It's how before it was just very strange to. Uh, meet somebody online you know what i mean and now it's just like dude everybody meets people online it's yeah. like tinder is like that's the way people meet chicks nowadays it's almost like you, it's almost weird if you just 
go up to somebody and just start talking. Oh, I know, right? And you go up to somebody <laughs> in the club or whatever. It's like if you're asking anything other than the time or some information, then it's like you're almost borderline Me Too movement type yeah, shit. Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. And unless you've been approved through them online and some kind of you know Is background check or you know Tinder whatever, then yeah, it's 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 really um, hard to to meet people. Yeah, and, I mean. And- Going back to what you were saying about, uh, you know, these United Nations meetings. And the thing is, at the end of the day, it's like um, everybody kind of comes to the table with a bunch of baggage already. They already have an online profile. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, this is, that's what I mean by the whole you, the whole ego thing for the United Nations, right? It's like everybody is, all right, this is my country's agenda. You know what I mean? If two mm-hmm. people guys should sit down in a room and just uh, hammer it out, man, I think like... Face to face. Face to face, man. Looking at each other's eyes, <laughs> you know? Exactly. You have a translator there, whatever, or a translating machine that doesn't bias anything, you know? And I'm just, I would love to see what that would accomplish. Yeah, man, but you know what? I don't know. I mean, as technology improves these days, I did this VR thing when I was in Brazil, right? And then um, it's like the Oculus Rift kind of thing. I don't know if it's that actual brand. I mean, you put the VR in your face, uh, on your head, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, man, put it this way there's a Google Maps game. You type in the location that you want to be in. You're on top of Mount Fuji all of a sudden, and you can actually feel the wind blowing as oh, you're standing man. and walking, looking at that. That's so crazy. It's crazy, right? You know what I mean? So, like I said, hopefully one day, man, you, maybe it doesn't have to be a, you know, face to face, but like reality, virtual reality, we can actually get to the point where you know it almost seems like that. If, you know, I don't know. Technology is. Just That's a good point. I mean, if they can get that real with the virtual reality. Um, you would hope that it would, you know, increase the ability to communicate a little bit more clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it comes down to, is just communicating clearly. And when you try to go from one language to another, a lot of languages don't have the same words. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so, you know, of course you're going to have wars and all this stupid shit because, you know, you don't have the same language and, and understanding of, of words and everything. But, um, and then on top of that, if you're sitting in big assembly rooms trying to communicate and yeah well, what's going on what's going on right now i mean just because we talk talk always talk a little bit about politics i know we're both a little bit uh trying to be connected and, and aware about uh, as much as possible i mean so what's going on with north korea right now is it peaceful or is it not peaceful or what's going on do you know the, the latest update to that Dude, nobody knows what was the latest reports. There was, um, they were uh, with the women. They were, they were um, a lot of uh, sexual um, uh, raping and whatever of, of women by you know, a lot of their officials. That was really? the last report that I saw. I don't know, man. It, it almost seems human, like a lot, lot of human rights violations yeah, with women, yeah, basically. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I don't know, man. Like it's just. But like, you know. Uh, we had you know Trump go over there a while back and and had the meeting with him and felt like that that accomplished something, you know he's trying to say that if if it wasn't for him we would be at war with North Korea right now. Well, the thing is like I'm just saying like let's just say he does get the, get this peace thing done. Okay, it's it's just so crazy because he'll have that on his belt oh, under yeah. as the president. He, and you know, you what? know what I mean? I don't. That's that's one of the things where. I'm okay with whoever does that. Yeah, you know, if Trump can can accomplish that, then you know, whatever. I'll I'll, I'll appreciate that about him. It's kind of funny because I feel like everybody's kind of like sick of talking about it now. It's been like two years now. <laughs> you know, I mean, everybody's like, all right. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. I, I try to be as as subjective as possible. Yeah. 
you know, and st- I, I look at all the different outlets, CNN, Fox, um, BBC, mm-hmm. the, the Germans, the, um, you know, as many different ones as I can. And what they all are kind of universally agreeing on is how divisive he is. Yeah. <laughs> and that's my biggest complaint. As a president, you're, you're supposed to, you know, show the country how to act. Yeah. And the way he's been acting with the way he ridicules people and tells so many untruths, <laughs> that's not a president, you know? Yeah, you know what? But he is actually helping to prove a point that I've been trying to get across for a while. That? And that's that I just don't think we need a president anymore. Definitely it's, not. It doesn't make sense. You know what? I've been thinking about Not this now. Lot. We've already, we're already established. We already know how to live. Do you feel like you need to learn how to live? No. Do you feel like someone needs to tell you how to live? Or Definitely you need to not. go, okay. So that's most of America right now. So then that's what a president is supposed to do. To show you how to you know, govern and live. And then once that is done, there's not a need for the president anymore. There's no need for all the security and all the elections and money and all the pay-to-play and all this other shit. Yeah, you know, shit. You know we got the elections coming up. That's why we're talking. I want to talk oh, about the midterms are coming up. Yeah, too. and the thing is like the midterms. Let's see, it's what five days away, four days away. Yeah, it's Friday, days Saturday, away. Sunday, yeah. Monday, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Four days away. Four days away. Yeah. The 2018 midterms. The really interesting thing to me is okay. So I've been watching this show. Okay, on Netflix. It's it's. I'll get back to what we're talking about, but. Um, it's called Adam Ruins Everything. I don't know if you watch that show. It's really good. because I don't just, watch TV. But. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, they just throw a bunch of facts at you. You, you know what I mean? All, all the time. And it's kind of just one of those things that, oh, you like restaurants? Let me tell you a bunch of reasons why restaurants aren't how, they, how you seem. But anyways, it was talking about voting or something like that. And then, um, uh, you know, everybody always says, oh, the propositions are important, right? Propositions are really important. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, I, this show made me realize this whole game... Is just it's just a game to get people to come out to vote, basically, right? Because at the end, for example, they got uh, gay marriage on the ballot, basically, right? Mm-hmm. A few years back, but that was on the same ticket as uh, when they wanted to reelect Obama, I think, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like a game, it's like a package deal. It's like, hey, I know that with the propositions, it's like you can't, it can't just be one thing. They got to throw in another thing with it to fuck with you. But see, not even this though. It's not even just with other propositions. It's like, okay. We know gay marriage is important to all the liberals, so we're going to get all those liberals come out, and then also they're going to vote for Obama as well to reelect him. So they put—it's not even just, hey, we're going to throw in these propositions, a lot of different stuff, but it's also with the candidates. It's like just this two-party bipartisan system, basically. It's like yeah. you can kind of say it's all a game for them. Oh, what are you passionate about? All right, what are you sensitive about? Is it gay marriage? Is it guns? Is it abortion? Because we're gonna put some weird thing inside the inside this uh, this election this time to get you riled up, and then all right, if you've always been Republican, you're just gonna put Republican on all the fucking tickets. You, you know what I mean? And it's just like like I said, man. It's just the more you think. I used to think about it back in the day. You know, they buy votes. It's not they don't do that anymore. But like I said, it's just in a weird way, man. I mean, it's still like who has the most money at the end of the day, right? And yeah, and then it's <laughs> along with that the voter suppression that's going on. Oh yeah. I mean, you got you had um, Kemp, who was in charge of the voting, in control of this, you know, suppressing <laughs> what was it fifty thousand votes? Yeah, man. I, it's I, like okay, and then with the Indians who live on the reservations, 
that don't have street names. <laughs> right? I don't know. And that's about part this, of the, having to fill out the voting. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I didn't. Interesting. Interesting. And I was like, are you kidding me? You're not letting these people vote because they don't live on a fucking street that has a street name? They're Indians. You know? They live in fucking teepees and, and, and they don't have whatever. You know, they have trails and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They own res- on the reservations. And so, stuff. I mean, but just using that as a way to keep them from voting is just horrible. It's interesting, man. I don't know. I mean, to me, honestly, politics is like one of those things that sometimes if I want to get riled up almost, man, I just kind of go look at some politics, you know? Oh, I mean? I'll tell you. But it's like, but you know what? If you literally just close that door and pretend it doesn't exist, man, it almost doesn't affect you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, that, that's what's weird about it. You know, I, you, now with with me though, the Trump is the single president that has had more effect on my life than any president, just because of my wife um, being from Germany and uh, having a green card, and there was certain stipulations with uh, some guy was trying to sue her in court for something, and so there were at at one point. That was part of the stipulations in being deported. Oh, really? So they were trying to deport her at one point yeah. a while back, but then recently it started coming up again. And so we had to make plans to live somewhere other than the United States because there was a possibility that if she left the country and was coming back in, she can't come back. She would mail you back in. Oh my gosh! Sorry, yeah. man. That's and so then that and then they start hammering on this, you know, no more pre-existing conditions with the health care. Well, I've got pre-existing conditions. You know, yeah, I got a yeah. uh, um, Achilles tendon for an ACL in my right knee, and my left shoulder is broken, and I got three herniated discs in my back. So, yeah. you know, good luck trying to find insurance for me. You know, unless they accept pre-existing conditions. Yeah, I mean, so this you know, one president has caused me more heartache than any other president. Well, I mean, he hasn't. I mean. It, it hasn't been completely pulled back, right? I mean, you're pretty... No. Yeah, you no, know what I mean? But, so, but that's, they're trying to say yeah. that they're not, but they're going to. I mean, it's, my, it's you know what? My weird, dad right? had a good point. My dad had a really good point mm-hmm. when I talked to him about this a while back because, you know, he follows a little bit about what's going on and he's just disgusted by it all. Yeah. My dad's 84 years old. And he said, you know, back in the day, you never knew who the president was. <laughs> You didn't hear his every whim or every thought or anything like that. The only time you ever heard from him was a State of Union address, yeah, you know, yeah. on one of the four channels that were on TV. Yeah. I mean, there was only four channels. <laughs> yeah, at that, at that time, you know. And, and so, you know, for him to see what's going on now, you know, he's just, he's... Yeah, I'm sure. He's, I mean, he's now laughs he's like, at it. You yeah, know? I mean, it's just like he can't. He he won't be surprised by anything at this point. Well, I don't know, man. I mean, you tell me. Like sometimes I think about this. Like for example, I mean, one of your one of your pieces of work, uh, John F. Kennedy, right? You mm-hmm. know, John F. Kennedy. We all know him as a, as a great president. You know, what I mean, and a big tragedy basically that happened. But I mean, now as we know more, it's like you know, he was a he was he a playboy. Was, he was a playboy. Yeah. I mean, we we find out all this kind of stuff. It's just like. Um, at the time, if we if all the people knew that, would it have affected any of his decisions and yeah. would that affected his life? And it's just crazy. They would have tried to impeach him. Are yeah, you kidding yeah. me? <laughs> him and Marilyn Monroe and all the other yeah, crazy exactly. stuff that went on. And it's just, like I said, it's just a different time now. You know, it's it's weird because like, um, like we always kind of talk about this. I'm 
not really a millennial, you know, I'm not a zennial or whatever they want to call us, you know. Right. And I've seen this literally like kind of pass by my life and like before my eyes that I've actually been able to adapt to it because I was, I'm young enough that, you know, some people like your father, it's like Twitter, like what is he talking about? Like, you know, and there's, there's nothing that, there's no way that he's going to get on the Twitter. And, he, he, he's heard of it, but he's never been on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, it, and that's what I mean, it's weird because it's like, it's almost like politics is like how like the internet is. It's like if it doesn't, if you don't have anything to do with, it, you can close that door and just kind of like live your life. Like you know, oh, I have some friends back in Florida that are like that too. Yeah, I don't know. I My mean, friend Billy O'Connor, um, he's very well known for just having a very simple life. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm gonna never forget this post that he put up on Instagram, and it had him on a paddleboard in the harbor in Destin, beautiful mm -hmm. sunset behind him and everything, just paddling along. Just, you know, nice and peaceful life and everything. And it was the same image doubled below it. In the top image, it said, my life before Trump was elected president. And then it said, my life after Trump was elected president. <laughs> same image, you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. that's what you're talking about, you know Yeah, I mean, I mean like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's just interesting because people get so riled up about this stuff, man. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? No, I mean, honestly. Well, it's, it's understandable. Yeah. When you have a president that is acting the way that he is acting. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's having an effect on me as well. That's another thing. Yeah. That just, you know, besides the, the, the possible deportation of my wife and the healthcare thing is just listening to this guy. <laughs> well, you know. And seeing what he's doing. I mean. And just going, when is it going to stop? Yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about and flinching every time I get on to the to CNN or, or you know the internet or Fox or anything. I always I'm I'm like wincing as I hit that you know return button. It's like okay, <laughs> what's going to be on that screen now? And also, it's just like you know, if you want to talk about directly affecting, okay, you know, I work in the paint industry too, right? We manufacture spray paint cans, right, and also other types of paint products. And guess what? We're importing the acrylic resin into. From China, right? <laughs> so now there's a 25 percent tax on you know what uh, on all the products coming in from China, basically. Yeah, all, for all paint. the tariffs. And yes. the craziest thing is that you know what? It's not even hurting my business. It's hurting all the guys um, that are distributors for me, basically. Oh, you know, what I mean, it's the local American businesses that oh, because the yeah. margin that was there is that 25 percent. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Basically. So that, I'm just saying that it's affecting. It's quite a bit. It's really interesting. That um, you know, it's such a direct effect on our daily lives, basically. Yeah, he's he's definitely had more more of an effect than than any any other president. Yeah, man. I wish it was for the better, but. <laughs> so, like, is this why you can't travel as many places? I mean, you got the kids too, right? So that's that's the main thing. Is, yeah, yeah. Um, is you know, my son has the little bit of sensory processing disorder, and so, um, you know, it's it's just better for. Uh, for me not to be gone for longer than four or five days at a time. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, I've done a lot of traveling this year. And, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's one of the my favorite things to do is just kind of go around the world and see different types of street art, man. Yeah, I, I heard mean, a little bit about something in, happened in Ibiza. What? Uh... Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. Brazil. You in Brazil. Yeah, That's Brazil. Right. I mean, you know, we had some shows there in Ibiza as well, too, man. You don't have to go into detail. <laughs> I went with Callie Smooth to, to Brazil and like I said, let's just say we had a really good time, man. Callie 
is such a talent. You know, you introduced me to him, man. We had him on the podcast and everything like that, too. I love Kelly. I mean, um, he's drawing as, you know, he's a Rock Nation artist now. And, um, you know, he's really growing. And it was just such a delight for me. To bring he just him. didn't know that there would be no English-speaking people. Yeah, there. man. I mean... Hey, he's I mean, been to Sweden. He's been to Sweden, and they speak English there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So but they don't. Speak, they don't you know what's interesting, man? <laughs> if you go to Brazil, right, and then you speak Spanish to somebody, they'll like understand like you're speaking broken English. You know, I'm mean, like let's say somebody's speaking broken English, like you'll kind of be able to understand yeah. them, right? And okay, that's how it is, like. If I speak Spanish to them, they'll think like, okay, like I'm listening and listening. But once you speak English, it's like a complete, like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that much of a difference yeah. in terms of the language. You know what I mean? So, well, you know, the Latin and the, and the American. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Version. So, I mean, you know what? I also, okay. So I went to, just this past trip, I went to Brazil. Um, I also went to Argentina and I also went to Colombia, man, on this trip. And uh, let me tell you something. Everybody thinks like Brazil's the shit, and it's fun, but Argentina, man, Buenos Aires, that is the place you want to go when you go to South America, man. I mean, pretty much think about this, all the, all the Nazis and all the World War II people who escaped from Europe, they basically went to South America and they built a fucking city that looks like Paris. You know I mean? Really? Yeah, I mean, all, if you look at Argentina, man, I mean, all the buildings are European, okay, and then it's, you know, Avita, don't cry for me, Argentina, yeah, yeah, yeah. right, that whole... That whole, there's basically entire European communities and like they actually feel like they're more Italian than they are like uh, um, than they are like South American basically you know what I mean so the, pe- the people there really like to like eat like you know steaks and things like that it's a, it's a very like Brazil life in terms of the, like the food but you know they have all the European breads and everything like that too man so I'm telling you, man, everybody, if you want to go down to South America, go to Buenos Aires, man. Buenos Aires is seriously the shit. You don't need a visa to go there. Brazil, you need a visa to go too, man. But um, on this trip, it was my first time going to Colombia, man. And it was a very, very, very interesting experience. I went to Bogota, which is the capital, right? Um, And uh, uh, like I said, it's on top of a mountain. So you got to think about when the Spanish came, they, uh, you know, went to the top of the mountain basically so they can kind of like make mark this land for Spain basically right right and then um and then so that's where Bogota is and it's on top of this kind of oh, like it's, a, it's, it's always raining you know what I mean and this is it's always kind of like just drizzling all the time think about it, top of the mountain kind of weather you know and um so th- this is my takeaway from Colombia, man. Everything how long were you in Bogota? I was there for like three days basically three days visiting some customers and then, um, and then uh, just kind of taken in the culture, you know. You have any but, graffiti there? Um, yeah, actually, there there's a uh, there's right by the university area. There's like an alley uh, where it has like a um, bunch of just like a you know head shops and graffiti, and you know it's very very artistic artistic area, man. You you see a lot of like. Did you ever see like any tags or? Like throwies or um, yeah yeah that's that's like it, for some reason man like in uh, the Americas man like graffiti like actually just like bubble letters and things like that that's like you know it's happening all over the place man like I don't know if whether it's because of hip hop or well there's certain countries that'll chop your hand off <laughs> well okay so that's what, that's what I mean <laughs> this is the first time okay normally you go to any you know Colombia is very pretty nice too is. Um, I would say it's like 
it's kind of like how it's kind of looks like Mexico if you look at it, but it's actually like Mexico. Some of the roads are a little bit not so good, but uh, in Colombia, like everything's like very well paved, at least in the main areas. Okay, but there's just it's just crazy traffic. Like drug money. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean probably you know what I mean. But here's the thing: it, what's interesting to me, man, is um, every single place you go normally, you ride in an Uber. Um, if there's a bum asking for money, you know, you kind of just close your window or whatever, or, you know, there'll be a guy that maybe like tries to clean your windshield for money, you know, he'll just start cleaning it. No, I, you know, I mean, like that's common in Mexico, right? Right. Okay. But check this. This is my uh, observation that of what Colombia is different. Every single time somebody came up to my Uber driver to ask for money, he gave them money. In every single one, Whoa. every single Uber driver, I was like, dude, what's going on, man? I was like, why? And he was like, yeah, you never know about which, uh, you don't want any retaliation from them, basically. So, but I'm just saying, that's how I know. I was like, this is very, very different from anywhere else in the world, wow. man. Okay. You know what I mean, and it's a small observation. But then, so they rationalized it by saying they don't want any kind of retaliation. Yeah, but like, then I understood what he said because there was this homeless guy and we were stuck in bumper to bumper traffic. And he had a stick and he would just go buy every single car and just tap all the fucking uh, tires lightly. You know what I mean? And then basically that's kind of like, hey, uh, give me money. <laughs> and then, or I'll, or I'll gonna fuck up bit. your car basically. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, so I was like, dude, things seem nice, but that is a very, very weird phenomenon that I've never seen in any part of the fucking world at all. Not even in Brazil, man. Like, in, in, you know what I mean? It's not like, it's like we're ever give me that money, I'm going to hurt you. <laughs> yeah, I'm a like, bum, but I'll hurt you. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen that anywhere, man. Like, oh, wow. it, you know, what I mean, so that was a little bit different, and maybe it was just my own personal experience. But like I said, that was just a, uh, um, that was a bit off to me. <laughs> no, that's that's understandable. Because <laughs> you know, what I mean? normally it's yeah, there are only few people that will actually that will actually do it. Give right? money, or, like I said, the people were so friendly in Colombia to, um, you know, uh, um. You know, Argentina's great too, Brazil, like I said, South America's just great, man. I really feel like it's like one of the last uh, frontiers of the world, man, because their technology is still a little bit behind because mm -hmm. their cult, their country, I mean, their their main resources is like natural resources. They don't have like, they, you know. They don't have a lot of money. Yeah, they're still cashing up in terms of a lot of the stuff. So, I mean, you know, if you, if you want to do business, man, sell some American shit to fucking South America, man. Mm. Like, the, you know what I mean? Like, if you have to connect, man, you know, there's opportunity down there too. So, I don't know, man. I mean, so talking about a little bit about Visa, man. I mean, what do you know about Visa? I don't know anything you about Visa. No, about Visa, I, 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 I missed. I, uh, I this was a while ago, but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, uh, yeah, Visa is like this party island, man. Okay, it's off Spain. It's in the Mediterranean, and uh, really, it's only open. Um, it's known for. Uh, the world's best nightclubs are there. Is it what is is it um, Italian or, or Spanish it's, it's, or what is it's it? It's Spanish. It's Spanish basically. It's okay. a Spanish island. It's called Balearic, one of the Balearic Islands basically. It's right off Spain basically, right by Barcelona. Um, and then so uh, you know, it's kind of like one of these places where you know uh, in Islam there's like Mecca, right? Uh, this is like Mecca for DJs, man. Like oh, okay. you know, it's so like pretty much uh, you know the electronic music scene. Um, was uh, it, starting in the 70s, people started discoing, right? And they had this island where a lot of the uh, the gay people would go and then they would party on this island. This And the gay people like disco music. Gay disco. people know how to party. Exactly, man. 
And then, um, so disco music eventually evolved into house, and then it kind of went into the electronic scene. So every single year from June to September, um, this island is basically, they throw parties Monday through Sunday, basically. Non-stop, basically. Okay. From after September, it gets too cold. So it's, they call it the season. They call it the season from June to September. So all these DJs, they try to go there, and then they just get booked. Um, and they play these mega clubs. Everybody's on ecstasy. You know what I mean? It's kind of like one of those. One of those. How big things. is the town? I mean, dude, man, it only takes. Um, okay, it takes about half hour to drive from uh, the east coast to the west coast of the island, and there's no direct road from the north to the south. But um, it's like maybe like an hour drive, so it's not a very big island oh, wow. at all, man. You know what I mean? It's just like. Um, yeah, That's man, pretty cool. It's pretty cool, you know. I mean, but it's expensive as fuck there, man. Like one water that's this big, those mini water bottles, will cost you twenty five euro. Whoa, <laughs> dude! Yeah, man. Is right. the water there like? No, there's nothing special about it, man. There's nothing special about. It. But, but I, I mean, one... the tap water is it drinkable or is it? Uh, I, uh, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I, I kind of just like. I, like I said, when I'm DJing, like they give you some stuff for free. You know? okay. I mean, but, but like the thing is, like yeah, I just drink beers too. When I, I just buy beers, cause I don't <laughs> That's know. your I don't water. Wanna... Yeah, exactly. If I'm gonna pay for something, at least like give me a beer, dude. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> paying thirty dollars for a water, I feel like I don't know, just shitty about it. But yeah, you know what I mean. So I, I DJ there a little bit this year too. Um, well, is it like is it like a resort island type thing, or is well, it like a town with? It's very similar to, yeah, there's also schools and locals and things like that. Um, I mean, everybody on the island, (laughs) like during the off season, I mean, it's just like a regular place. It's a very like quiet island actually, you know, but in these like four months, basically, like it's just like massive people from all over the world, like go there and and party, man. It's it's crazy. So, I mean, um, it's my second time visiting there. So, uh, like it was just the first time I went, it was just went as a tourist, basically. I just want, I've always heard about it. I heard about it like 10 years ago and just always dreamed about going to this place and so this time to actually be able to DJ uh, I DJ at a place called Shenanigans man like you know my DJ act no way yeah yeah amazing so that's my part of my whole thing like you know my last name is Shen right so my artist name is Shenanigans with exclamation point right it's kind of like the house vibe um, and then there was this bar. Dude, what the hell? Okay, so how the hell did you find this place? Dude, I actually, I was doing some research and I actually found that bar already, right? And then, um... Did you I, hit them up and you're like... Hey, well, I emailed them and didn't email back, you know what I mean? And then, because, like I said, dude, it's a bar. Who's checking the email? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, nobody's checking the email, okay? They're like a standard Irish bar. So, like I said, I just um, went in and then I talked to them and then, like, uh, uh, I threw a show there, man. It was really cool with a... DJ Marky, man, he was there to like let me have a set too, dude, you know, and then uh, like I said, a lot of people ask me a lot of questions about, oh, how do you get started into DJing, how do you how do you uh, do this, how do you do that, how do you get booked, man, and you know what, at the end of the day, if, you, if you're if you DJing and you have a group of friends, you have a party, <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean, and absolutely. the more friends you have, the more, be- the more, the more big your party is going to be, and once you have those, you know, friends, that can go to your parties, any club will book you. You know, if you can bring like a hundred people, that means you're a major artist, basically. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? So people always ask me, it's like, oh, how did you get a gig at a visa? It's like, I went there for two weeks, I met people, I was cool, and then I just talked to people. I said, hey, I'm from LA, check out my music. Next thing you know, you're DJing, you're DJ at the club, man. So yeah. you didn't set that up before you went. Well, you know what? I tried, man. I tried because 
I know DJs that have DJs in a visa. And you know what? Here's the thing. Some motherfuckers, they just don't want to help you out, man. Like, you know, you know, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, Tishi. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yo, we were cool. We were cool. We used to hang out, right? And then it's like, yo, it's time for me to reach out for a favor. Uh, and, you know, we don't know each other anymore oh, or something. But it's oh. all good, you know? I kind of feels like those people, this is, this is, my, this is my kind of whole thing on it. Those people, they can't give you that opportunity because they don't have it. Somebody else gave them that opportunity. So they don't know how to tell you that. Yeah, <laughs> you know right. what I mean. That's that simple. That's I all think, we really I mean, need to say. Yeah, I think that's what I'm saying. But I hate how some people or no, some artists really, uh, it's like, oh, I'm too big to talk to you now. Like, it, you know what I mean? It's like I want to know, like, what point is your phone blowing up so much that you can't talk to people anymore? Because it's like, you know, you know, what I mean, like, I get it. There's a certain level of fame, like Brad Pitt. <laughs> you, yeah, you know what sure. I mean? Okay, yeah, like yeah, yeah, your friend yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> but you know what? Actually, I'm dude. I'm getting so busy with my kids. You know, they're uh, yeah, they're yeah. old twins now, and the older they get, the more involved I'm getting with them. Yeah, and you know, with the, with the house flipping, and um, now the wife's movie is looks like it's gearing up to possibly film in the spring of next year. That's awesome, man. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that too. It's uh, it's a it's a movie that we've been trying to get going for about four years. Uh, it is called Get Lost, and it's a, basically a modern day version of Alice in Wonderland. Uh, the wife um, managed to take that episodical, you know, single story uh, form that it was in and make uh, you know a full hero journey out of the whole thing. And um, she read the script. She wrote the script. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, and then she rewrote it and then rewrote it again and again and again and again. Um, mainly because the original script was for Berlin. And then um, it was pretty expensive there, but we had the option of possibly going to Belgrade. So then she rewrote it for Belgrade. And then she rewrote it for Belgium. And then she rewrote it for Rome. And then she rewrote it for like, I think we rewrote it about six times. You know, um, and then four times just for different languages, and but still trying to use uh, German film funds, and that was where the problem came in. the The way the Germans do films is the opposite of the way they do it here in America. In Germany, they start with the money. You know, over here you you start with the script, and then you find you know, oh, I got Leo DiCaprio. He's gonna be you know on my you know, and then you get a director and you build it, and then you raise money. Yeah, they start with the money over. And so that in itself always caused problems trying to find a, an investor and you're trying to tell them, well, we don't know exactly how much we're going to need from you because we don't know exactly how much the German film funds are going to be. So we kind of need about this much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, not going to go well for investors. That's a, that's a crazy, it's a crazy world of making movies, man. I mean... Well, uh, just in, in addition to that, trying to do it with German film funds, okay? So that's... You know, it, it kind of came close the first year, didn't happen. The second year, it came even closer. And the third year, it came even closer to happen. What's the normal, like, uh, fundraising life cycle for, like, movies? Do you, I mean, just... Oh, I, it can, it doesn't matter. I mean, it can go for on for years, oh, you know, really? trying to get a project happening, whatever, okay. you know. Um, but uh, luckily, um, last week, all happened last week, uh, she met with uh, two separate investors that are both interested in funding the entire film. It's great. Which it's great. is huge. That means you don't have to piecemeal it. You don't have to worry about any other things. It's just one thing. 
Um, and so uh, that uh, that means that um, yeah, they'll they'll be figuring out which uh, which investor they're going to go with in the next couple of weeks or so, and then um, pre-production will probably start spring of next year, and then maybe in June or so uh, we would go over to Berlin and film, and it, depending on what the deal is, we may stay over there to do post, which means we may be over there through the end of the year. Okay. Um, but uh, just all that, along with the houses that we're flipping and everything, like you, you don't have to be a, a celebrity to be too busy to talk to people. Yeah, yeah. Like I just, I know that I, my time on Instagram is getting more and more inconsistent and slightly less just because, you know, I'm just more busy with the family and, and all these other things. Yeah, no, I'm ta- well, just, just to bring it back for a second. No, I'm talking about guys with no families, man, that fucking DJ motherfuckers <laughs> that don't want to fucking help out your other, <laughs> other motherfuckers. I know you don't got families, motherfuckers, all right? Fuck you guys, just kidding. It's all good. I get that. Yeah, no, if I, <laughs> I know some people that are single and they ain't got nothing going on they're too busy and it's like, uh, yeah. You want to hear about a DJ deal I got you? Uh, no, just like a opportunity to DJ, okay? Um, they said, all right, uh, obviously, we can't pay you for this. <laughs> obviously, we can't pay you. Like the first five <laughs> words out of their mouth. <laughs> obviously, we can't pay you. Five words fall, okay? But we'll let you DJ. We'll let you. <laughs> Good exposure, right? Exposure, yeah. We'll let you DJ uh, for this upcoming artist. Um, all you got to do is... Uh, Bring 20 people and buy a table. What? <laughs> no, no, I'm not kidding, bro. I'm not kidding, dude. And how much is the table? I, I mean, I don't know. It's probably like 500 bucks or something like that. You know what I mean? But I'm just saying... That's not like, only a pay to play. That's like a bring you... <laughs> it's like... Dude, I... Bring the whole thing. Bro, we threw... You can just have it here. That's what I'm saying. We threw massive warehouse parties, dude. Over Halloween weekend. Okay. And then like... <laughs> I'm just saying, like, tons of people came. I got with, like, some promoters, you know, Entire Life, Natalie, Max, all you guys, appreciate you guys. Um, and then we threw, we threw legit parties, like, on Halloween weekend competing with these big companies, right? And it's like, dude, why the hell would I take that club gig? Like, <laughs> That's so wild. For the exposure, man. Like, <laughs> I just want to know, like, I'm, I'm curious about the meeting they had to come up with that particular decision of okay so what will if they if if they'll bring how many people what 15 20 20 people yeah and then well what they need to get a, get a table too because we got like <laughs> fill, fill the place up you no, know this is, this is how kind of this is how the whole deal goes let me break it down for people who don't understand just like the whole club world dude. okay at the end of the day like i said this is something that uh we're really trying to move against me and my musician buddies and all my dj buddies like I said, we the music industry is driven on alcohol sales, man. Okay, yeah. you know what I mean, and it's and pay to play. <clears throat> yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about how many bottles you can sell and what's your bar sells. Okay, so we're gonna book a DJ. Okay, it's gonna cost this amount of money. We gotta get sell a certain amount of bottle service and a certain amount of bar. So now the people who are the quote unquote promoters who book the Five thousand, ten thousand dollar DJ. Okay, now I got to make this money back by taking advantage of other DJs that can buy. I, if I okay, let's just say the headliner is five thousand dollars. That means I got to sell ten tables for five hundred bucks a piece, right? 
um, and then I can make that five thousand dollars back, and then all those people mm. bring. See, but I'm, but do you, do you see how I'm saying? There's nothing to do with music in this entire equation right here. <laughs> you gotta see what I'm saying. I don't care what comes out of your trap or your box you're bringing <laughs> to plug in. If you can bring twenty people and buy a fucking table, that, that's the rule, man. Giddy up, okay? And that's the unfortunate thing, and that's why. It's like, that's why these illegal parties started, man. Like, you know, warehouse parties started. Fuck it, eh? You know, I mean, it's just like, dude, why would I do that for you? Dude, man, there's people, let me tell you, it's so crazy. Kids these days, they have Instagram pages. Um, I follow this one page called 626 Turnups, okay? Um, it's literally some dude just posts on Instagram the address for this weekend, and hundreds of people show up at a fucking house, and they charge $5 a head. And then you get in a house party, basically. And it's a fucking wild rager, dude. Okay. Nice. I, you know what I mean? That, that's what I'm talking See, that's about. that's trendy. That's hip. Yeah. That's not this big fancy club and all this other shit going on. That's yeah, exactly. Like, that's it's what like, kids want. Clubs are not fucking cool anymore, guys. You no. know what I mean? And the thing is, like, that's what I'm saying. It's just like, dude, man, that's... It, it's just mind-boggling to me how artists, we still take it... Take it up the ass, like, like you know. What I mean? Oh, that's good. Up exposure. the ass so far. You're saying you pick the nose from the inside. <laughs> it's good exposure. You know, what I mean, like whenever I book DJs, I always at least try to throw them a hundred. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, hey man, you know, what I mean? you play for an hour. Like I said, man, I'm gonna respect you, and hopefully, uh, one day you can book me and you can like hook me up some opportunities. You know, what I mean, that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. I'm saying, like, uh, you know, a lot of times that doesn't happen. You, you know what I mean? But you know what? It, at least for me, I'm getting my brand out there. People know who what my music is. Like people know who I am. Getting that face to face interaction, and uh, you know, like I said, the club scene, man, it's just it's just dead after the internet. I mean, all these institutions, man. Yeah, I'm telling you, absolutely. it's just like they have to fall, man. <laughs> they got to change. They got to do something new and interesting because yeah, man, it's, it's, they're falling by the wayside. You know, and that's why you know with this whole podcast, man, we just wanted to connect people and just really, really kind of just bring people together and throw events in the future, man. Like yes. we, want, we want to throw an art show with, uh, with a lot of the fans, you know, I've connected with fans of the podcast, man, you know, that just come out and then, uh, they come to my music events and it's so dope because now I have, you know, a lot of things in common with them. I mean, if, if they enjoy the music, if they enjoy the podcast, man, if they enjoy your art, man, it's just like, we're, we're 50% there already, yeah. <laughs> you know, in terms and, of and we can actually that. see someone in person talk to them face to face is, is so much better an experience and so many other things come out of it as well. You know, that's yeah. one of the things that, that I really like about uh, what has developed out of this is just what develops during the process. You know what? And I kind of just want to, I was just thinking about it too. Let's talk, let's kind of recap on a few episodes. Um, you know, something like Joe Cool, man. Like honestly, I would never have the opportunity to kick it with, no. Sheep Dog's cousin. No way. <laughs> first no first way, of all, you, you know what I mean? And it's like, man, he, you know, the stories that he was telling us about, like, Snoop Dogg coming up and kind of all that stuff. When I go back and I, I like, uh, I watch these hip-hop documentaries, I'm like, oh, dude, man, I know the inside scoop yeah. of, like, Absolutely. hey, when Snoop was coming up, this was his family situation, you know what I mean? He's talking to his, like, big cousin in jail, man, like, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, dude, you'll never hear these stories on any of these. And you know what? It wouldn't have been the same if we were trying to film that, you know, the fact that it was just a podcast and we were just recording it and everything, 
you know, it, it was it was kind of it took a minute to get you know Adjust. adjusted or whatever. But then once we got past it, man, it was just like it was going. It was flowing, man. And and it's it, you get so much better input and, and stories out of people, you know, because they're they they lower their boundaries and they're like, you know what, you know, this is real. This is what happened, you know, and and that's one of the things I love about this. And you know, let's let's just recap on a few of the episodes. Also, like you know, when we met with Colette Miller, that was like one of the first episodes we did basically right oh, I know man. And, and to me it was just it's just awesome that we see these images out there and um, you know every artist I guarantee you uh, has some sort of story like you know I mean of why they create art because being an artist is not an easy life I'm not just saying a visual artist I'm talking about like any you're kind comedian, of artist whether you're a musician Absolutely. like there's nobody forcing you <laughs> To do things that you know, what I mean? like, you, you would, it would take that because of what the the pain and suffering that you go through. Sometimes you would think that someone is forcing you to do it, you yeah. know. But no, if it's if it's your true love to do this and everything, then that's when you find out. Yeah, and then I'm just saying, when it doesn't go easy, that's when you find out what you really are. And that, that's you know what that's great. You're saying that because that's how I feel about music, man. It's like I don't even sometimes it's like. I don't need to do music, actually, because, but the thing, because like I don't make any money off it most of the time, man. Like you know, I mean, you do a few shows, you get a few, you know, I mean, it's more for the satisfaction of um, your artistic soul. Yeah, you, you know, what I mean, it's like you're doing stuff that it's like you're. Well, satis- it's an exercise, dude. Yeah. You gotta exercise your mind. If you don't find ways of exercising your mind in ways that you actually enjoy or appreciate, then it's just gonna atrophy. You know, and at some point, then dementia sets in. <laughs> dementia is just basically once you get old and you get set into a, you know, a routine, and you don't do anything different, your mind just starts shrinking, and then all the things, yeah. crazy things happen. So when you do stuff like this, you know, it's just another way of exercising your brain and your mind. I never thought about it that way, actually. I, you know, I, I just like I said, it's for me. I, I, that's totally a great way to think. I saw this dementia brain at this one plastic, uh, you know how they have that bodies uh, where they put the, they cut the bodies and then you can see all the Oh muscles. yeah, like anatomy. And yeah. I saw the dementia brain versus the regular brain. You know mm. what the main difference I saw was, man? It just looked like it was like less spongy. It was less like... Um, Brittle. Right? Well, no, it, I mean, it was... Yeah, I guess you'd say, but I feel like it was dried out, man. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, there was, like, no lube in there. Like, you know <laughs> That's I mean? a good way to look yeah, at it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, all the cracks were, like, way, and you know, your brain's wrinkled, right? So right. all the wrinkles were, like, way, the, the, the channels in between were, like, you could actually see them, like, thicker, you know what I mean? Versus, like, the healthy brain where it's, like, nice and, like, fluffy, kind of like a cloud, you know what I mean? Wow. And I, it just it really got me thinking about, like... You know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a muscle that you gotta work with. You, you gotta you, you gotta use it all the time, man. If you're just sitting out there like vegging out in front of the TV, eating fast food, getting fat, you know, you know, what I mean, it's playing like, your little Xbox or something. <laughs> exactly. It's like you know what? The, the minimum thing you can do is at least like do something creative, exercise your mind, man. If you're a lazy fuck, you don't want to exercise. Yeah, at least exercise your mind. Yeah, <laughs> like, at least exercise you your know, mind. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe playing video games exercise your mind a little bit. I don't know. I'm like I'm not a video game player, but um, you know, a lot of guys. Maybe I don't know. But you'd be surprised how little uh, exercise really takes to just be healthy. Yeah, a man. lot of people they 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 overdo it. You know, 100%. a lot of people that ask me, you know, how I stay healthy and everything, and my workout, and I tell them how simple it is. You know. Some of them, actually, very few of them, actually follow through with it and see the huge benefits from it. 
Whereas others, they go and they get a, a personal trainer and they go try to lift weights and get stronger and do all this other stuff. And then it's like all this other stuff. I tr- mm-hmm. I tried. Okay, you know what? I, I don't know if you know, man. Um, at one point in time, I was like, I'm five nine. I was like two hundred and eight pounds actually, right? Whoa! Yeah, and and you know what, man? It was really because I was in college and I suck at school, and I just didn't take care of myself during that period of time. I was eating fast food all the time, smoking cigarettes, night exercising, partying, drinking beer. But um, you know, it's it's once I got out of college and didn't have to study anymore, I had a lot more free time basically, and then I didn't have to eat fast food. I wasn't as stressed out, so I didn't smoke cigarettes as much anymore. You know, and you have more free time, so you start exercising. So it's really a lifestyle change yeah, I, totally I think, lifestyle. at the end of the day, man. Like you know, and um, like I said, man, it's talking about lifestyles. I mean, being an artist. I've been really embracing this. It is really a lifestyle, man. Like, mm-hmm. you know, everybody does it differently too. Like yeah, some people absolutely. balance family with it. Some people like, you know, sacrifice, you know, this, sacrifice that, man. But it's just so interesting to be talking to all these guests um, to see how they're rocking it. You know, yeah. you know what I makes mean? them tick, <laughs> how they got started, where their family's from, yeah, where they're the, from. Exactly. Going back to, uh, like I said, it's, it seems It all like, makes sense. Once you get to know them, you know, Exactly. Like, oh, I totally get it, you know? And for example, like we're talking about uh, Colette Miller, for example. She used to be in the, the metal uh, know, right? the, the band, basically. Rock you know? Exactly. It's like this whole journey takes you to your, to your like, mission. Like, you know, I mean, for example, it's like everybody knows Colette's, like, work now. You, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? You know, right? And then it's kind of like, but she had to go through that whole process to become this artist that she is today. You know what I mean? And definitely, I feel that about you too. Man. Yeah, mean, well, absolutely. <laughs> you know, another one that comes to mind is is uh, Padilla. Oh yeah, uh, unfuck yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah, yeah. Um, just to be able to to see what it's done for her um, is so inspiring. Um, you know, and uh, it's 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 things like that that. Um, didn't make this whole thing more interesting, you know, just to be able to hear from her and, you know, let her talk and, and, and tell her story. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, you can't imagine how many people she's helping with the, the information that she's putting out there dealing with, you know, mental health and, and stuff. Did and you actually know that after our episode of the, um, uh, remember she had this like author that uh, also had the unfuck yourself author thing. Oh yeah. 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 I actually sent it to her. And then, I mean, like, I don't know if they're going through, like, a lawsuit thing or something right now, but like I said... She's it, getting on them? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean, so, like I said, it's just, you know... That girl has worked way more harder to put that up than, than anyone else. Yeah, and we'll, 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 we'll kind of update you guys, and we'll meet up with her again and kind of chat about uh, um, everything that she's been up to, too. Um, and, you know, oh, Trusty's really been getting up lately, too, man. I know. Trusty went over to, uh, to Europe. He was able to, to get up all over in Paris and, and in London and everything. And um, now, you know, it's really cool. Um, and it's just because of placement. And his eye as a photographer has really helped with this. Are the stickers that he's doing now. Oh, he's doing stickers for... Yeah. A, he's got the stickers with his, you know, with his quotes in them. And so what he did, though, with this one that was really cool was he had put it on the back of a street sign... But in the background, he had lined it up with, um, I think it was maybe a piece, uh, oh God, what is the guy's name? I can't believe I can't. It, it was a, a portrait. It was a large portrait um, and um, on the side of a building, so it was massive. But the way he lined up the speak bubble sticker, it looked like 
it was going to the big portrait. I see what you're saying. Oh, okay, okay, okay. The angle work, basically. So it looks like yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he's yeah, he's actually making that thing talk with a mm-hmm. sticker. Mm-hmm. The way he lines yeah, it up yeah, with the yeah, photography yeah, yeah, yeah. is brilliant. That's you know awesome, I mean? man. Uh, and that's another thing. See, you see, like these artists, basically, it's like, you know, like Classic Jesus. He was also a uh, photojournalist. Photojournalist. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's just like, it's not that these guys just. They do something and then all of a sudden it's brilliant <laughs> and no. it goes viral. You know, no, it's like, a whole process. You know, it's a whole a process struggle. of like forging that. You know, I mean, I used to do this and now I know the knowledge from my previous industry and now I'm gonna apply it to my whatever I'm currently doing. You know, and that's what Plastic Jesus is doing. You know, that's and what his like the uh, the execution level it keeps raising with him as well. Yeah, I watched his movie premiere actually. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they, I uh, had that was. I know yeah, you're busy. Yeah, having the children that night. Yeah, yeah, but it's crazy because um, uh, Meg Zaney was. We got to get her on the podcast too. You know, I mean, she yeah. was she was inside the uh, um, uh, the movie, kind of just talking about. You know, they had a a victim from Harvey, one of the Harvey Weinstein people actually like participate in the oh, movie wow. and everything like that it was very powerful man you, you know what I mean and kind of talk, just talked about the whole process of like what a rush it was to, he had to go to Vegas to um, work with the sculptor and then he had to like sit there and like they actually had a guy um, do, you know how Mrs. Doubtfire they put the prosthetics on and oh they sure cast, that's yeah. how they actually did the Harvey, the Harvey Weinstein, Weinstein yeah, uh, where actually his friend sat there with plaster and two nose holes there oh, yeah. for like four hours or something like that you know what I mean so it's just crazy man the amount of work these artists um, put behind the scenes to kind of give you that instant and that comes from like when he was like the first piece that he did was that that little bomb next to the Chick-fil-A yeah yeah you look at the execution level of that and then what he's doing now I love seeing the progression yeah man that's what I'm saying it's just like and he like I said it's just something that these people they have to do man they're gonna do it anyway. You see, you know, yeah. it's like it's not because he's doing it because some corporations giving them a certain amount of money to like fund this project. I mean, but it's just for a cause that he personally feels like strong about. You know, I mean, he's working with sponsors. You know, and at the end of the day, he has the ability to do what he wants to do. It's, it's you know, I mean, it's not like spoken for by paid for by Procter no. and Gamble. Yeah, <laughs> you know, no, that's, that's, like that, that right? is exactly what he wants to do. Oh, and then uh, my buddy Scott Lane. Oh, yeah, Loud they're doing the Wheelie wheel Across America now, oh, right? Oh, my God, yeah. He, uh, well, he's, he, uh, he just got him started. He's not actually going himself okay. uh, with him all the way across. But, um, yeah, he, uh, he, he actually got me to, to do a stencil for uh, Kurt Osborne, which uh, he did a wheelie from California all the way to Florida um, about 20 years ago. In about seventy, it took him about seventy-five days. How does that work? I mean, is he like? It's not. He's not writing the entire time. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, just bad. Oh, okay, I'm pooping as I got this wheelie. Oh, okay, why? Please, no. Um, no, he, he basically goes about. I think he, this time he's doing about fifty miles a day. Okay. okay. And he'll basically do about ten miles at a time. And he just pulls that wheelie up. And this time, um, well, the first time they did it, oh my gosh, dude. Um, my buddy Scott went with him and when the weather was getting bad and like really windy and stuff what they did was they they had a car that they opened up the door okay with the window up and they put like some um, some plastic across from the wind from the door to the car 
like taped it up. Um, and then Kurt basically, and the drove along the side of the road as Kurt rode a wheelie and was able to keep that wheel right in there. Filming it? Filming it. Well, no, this is, this is also because of the weather. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. too windy and yeah, it was yeah, getting yeah. rain and stuff. So they did that for like a hundred miles. But this time, <laughs> this time he has a trailer that is uh, completely glass, like plexiglass all the yeah, way around. Yeah. And it's open in the back. Oh, okay. So, so he's got like, you know, all kinds of space. Yeah, but, you yeah, know, yeah. he just pulls a wheelie and they just go right down. The hill. He goes about 10 miles an hour. Wait, is it, this is a BMX bike. No, it's, it's, it, it has a banana seat on okay, it. Okay, okay. And it has uh, the back, the back wheel is a little bit bigger than the front wheel. Okay. Makes it easier to, to pull wheelie. the wheelie. Okay. But he started at the end of the Santa Monica Pier. And there's like a little thing on the, on the pier. Started right there. That's where he started and went up the Santa Monica Pier. Now, <laughs> if you know the Santa Monica Pier, you know that where it hits the land and goes up to the traffic light, it goes uphill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a pretty good angle uphill. Wait, he's doing that uphill too? He rode that first wheelie from the end of the pier all the way up to the traffic light. And he would have kept going, but the traffic light was red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, you know, he'll stop for traffic lights and stuff. But other than that, he'll go 10 miles at a time and then take a rest. And he's got some upper body strength, man. <laughs> it's No, his legs, his, his arms, you know, and yeah, upper body are, are solid. They're not, like, big. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. His, his legs were just, oh, like, yeah, the yeah, calves sure. gotta... and, 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 the, and the upper legs and everything were massive. <laughs> and, um, I mean, but that, that was amazing. So uh, my buddy Scott, you know, went with him the first time. But Scott was my lookout, you know. Yeah, he was my yeah, lookout yeah. for a good three years or so after Night I got busted. Yeah. And um, and it was mainly because of what he does. You know, I had different crews after I got busted stepping up and saying, hey, you know, come be a part of our crew and our crew, whatever. And at the time, I was still, um, you know, kind of had some buddies back in, in Florida, some old military buddies that I was kind of would look at as a someone that would come take care of me or whatever. <laughs> so, um, but as far as a lookout, you know, Scotty was like, hey man, you know, I'll be a lookout for you. And uh, I'll never forget like the first time that he showed up and I'm going, dude, what, what, do you, what is this, you know? And he's like, this is my job. <laughs> I look inside his car and he's got nine, no, eight police radios yeah. for each section of LA. Exactly. You know, and, and so I'm like, well, what's going on here? And he's like, well, you know, I, I got this, you know, I got a news camera here. And so, he, at the time, it was just him and I think just maybe one other guy that was working with him. And he would go and sit in the middle of LA and just listen. And wherever the shit was going down, he'd haul ass there, film it, and try to sell it to news stations. What a life, man. What a so life. So anytime a police call went out, he would know. And so you couldn't have a better lookout than that. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, but, uh, you know, crazy, to, to see what he's actually developed into is... Um, so he was, uh, he's shot in the dark season two is out right now. Yeah. So that was, uh, you know, he not only helped with, um, Nightcrawlers, the, uh, the movie with Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. in it, but, um, now shot in the dark, he's actually starring in it himself. <laughs> I know, it's and, nice. and it's, it's actually like one of these viral, you know, um, sure, things man. that people will watch the whole season, you know, yeah, they're like, okay, yeah. when's the next season coming? Yeah. So, um, it's crazy yeah. because the barriers of distribution nowadays, like I'm just saying like, I mean, Scott's been in the video, I mean, been editing video, according to him, you know, forever, basically. Yeah, absolutely. But things like, I'm just saying, nowadays, it's like, you know, Mitchell, basically, he puts up, 
so much of his work. He, you know, he does all the, uh, there's a lot of these like food videos and things like that for Board Panda with the recipe videos. He does the Stella Rosa oh. drink cocktail videos and kind of all that kind of stuff too, man. It's just so crazy that it's like, man, it, as long as you make a good quality product and you put it out there and then you just keep on working at it, people will start coming to you, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. it's like, hey, I, I need this done. Like, you know, you got your new product, man, the, the three-er and the, the six-er, the niner, man. You know what I mean? That like, was, yeah, let's talk about that a little yeah, bit. That like was, my buddy Matt, like, he's a good yeah. engineer. I introduced him to you. you Matt know? Shea. <laughs> Matt Shea is awesome. I love him. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that the three-er is because I basically met with Matt Shea and had a brainstorming session before we got started. I mean, um, you're coming up with a new product that can spray the spray paint, basically, right? Yeah. Three at a time. That's yeah. what I mean, that's basically why I wanted to go ahead and develop that. It was because you were talking about coming out with a spray paint line. Yeah. And I had this big contraption called the Niner, you know, for a while that um, I was trying to, you know, get that back so that I could use that to design yeah. a new one. And, um, you know, once we finally got it back, uh, even though it was destroyed... Um, I was able to, you know, we were able to get the measurements we needed, the crucial measurements. And what, what made the difference was when Matt mentioned, he's like, okay, so I went in there, instead of doing a niner, I was going to design a tenner. Because I figured, you know, if you're going to go big, why not go a little bit big? Yeah. And he said, well, now, in order to have a, a printer that's going to print something that size, it's going to be pretty big. He said, now, if you can somehow modulize it, you know, then we can use a smaller printer. Exactly. And but I was like, well, but this drawing that I just did, you know, you got three and then two and then be so you went, and I stopped for a second. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> if you're modulizing this thing, dude, and you figure out a way of connecting it, then the threeer becomes a sixer or a niner or a twelver, <laughs> fifteener, eighteen. At some point, you're gonna need help yeah, carrying yeah. it or whatever. Exactly. But um, he was like, yeah, that that could totally work. And so then I was like, okay, now we may have something that could get some uh, practical use as well as just for the graffiti world and street art world. Exactly. Because, you know, anyone that wants to paint a, a fence or a wall or whatever they need to and they have three cans of spray paint that's going to take, just pop it in that thing and do it in one third the time. It's just crazy to actually, the thing is like, you know, um, when you made the Niner, it's it's like it, a wood contraption, right? I mean, it had a wood yeah, and cardboard. Yeah. It's crazy because like this, that's some Leonardo da Vinci shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, he's you know, like, you're literally, no, when I saw the, and then when you guys went to this brainstorming session and you guys are like drawing like the, the, the grid wireframe version of like mm -hmm. this, this thing, you know, and then now I actually see it like 3D printed, it's ABS material, it's like you're spraying three cans at a time, I mean. It's tough too, man. You can take a thing and throw it down. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. it's tough. It's awesome, man. It it just it was it's awesome to me because I saw this whole like uh first of all this tragedy thing that happened, you know, where it was broken. And then you guys redesigned it and then you came up with this thing and now we're thinking about releasing with the spray paint line to sell it because it's actually a very useful tool, man. I mean, this literally all came out from the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know Absolutely. I mean? because um, just getting together and just brainstorming, man, you know, and Absolutely. I think, you know, nowadays people, you know, we also fo focus on our social media or what we're putting out there, man. At the end of the day, it's like everybody puts stuff out there, but it's just awesome to sit down and connect with somebody face to face instead of saying like, Hey, I'm going to put my art on the internet. And that's 
what street art is at the end Being of the day. Being so isolated. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's Everybody's good so that, that people get to see your stuff, you know, and it's good to be able to do that. But at the same time, it can be very isolating. Exactly. And then what we're doing here is we're trying to break down that, that barrier of isolation and kind of make it all work together. And, you know, also it's just like musicians have the same problem too, man. They go in there and then they, uh, you know, they lock themselves in a, in a place and then they write a bunch of songs and then now it's time to release them and then like i said man just get out there and just work with other people man like i think one of the biggest problems <laughs> um is people are worried about the reaction yeah, yeah they want people to like what they're doing and you know i'm, I'm guilty of that myself you know some of the stuff i'm working on like well I, you know god are people gonna like this you know well um try to try to just not worry about that you know try to just do it anyway because uh, yeah, that's that's what sets um, you know people that do great things apart from everyone else is that the that ability to just be able to risk it and and try and do something that might not work out you know but if it's something you believe in give it a shot you know what there's so many classic cases of it whether it's in music or art that people just they were just trying and trying again I'll just name one David Bowie for example you know kept on trying, had so many unsuccessful albums and, you know, finally came up with the, the Stardust kind of whole thing as a mm -hmm. character and then, bam, it hit and then all of a sudden he's a legend now. So I'm just saying like, a word to all the artists out there that are kind of listening to this is like, people ask me, how long ago did you start L.A. Street Art Gallery? I'm like, you know what, it doesn't even, it's 2011, but it's just like, seems like so long time ago and it's not something, there's no goal to it. <laughs> you know, it's not like, Right. We're well, just, yeah, you do have a goal. Oh, yeah, to document, to document. But expectations. Yeah, expect, exactly. You know what I mean? It's just like, for me, we're just doing it because we love the lifestyle and we love the community. And at the end of the day, if you don't love it, you're not going to keep on doing it. You know what I mean? So yeah. just pick something you're yeah, passionate about. We've seen about. quite a few people come and go in the in the graffiti or street art world. And <laughs> um, and that's fine. You know, it's, it's it can be a good thing. Get you through a certain part of your life exactly. or whatever. too. Um, but you know, there's, there's people that, uh, like me, that <laughs> once you've done this and you've experienced the, the high from it, um, you'll, you'll always do it. Yeah. You know, I think that's a good way to end it, man. I mean, we've been doing basically another hour right now too. Already? <laughs> it's already seven o'clock. Yeah. So, so, you know, I mean, you know, we want really, this is the last episode of the season. So we just want to really thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, we're still really trying to work on um just the whole production of this we're gonna get better mics and uh you know we, we love to have to start somewhere exactly you know <laughs> the first season is always uh uh you know it's a pilot pilot season but much. hey you know what we're not gonna worry about it we're just gonna do it and put it out there exactly right? i mean people are listening and people are responding that's what we love about it if you have if you're an artist uh you want to come on the podcast we'd love to have you on like i said you know, we're having another guy. And then when we say an artist, we mean there's there's many different definitions to artist. Okay, you're not just talking about people who draw and paint. There's Musicians, all different. Comedians, if you think of yourself as an artist, then we probably wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. All right. So let's just end it at that. We want to thank you guys very much. And uh, like I said, just email us PTTP Show Big Town Podcast and. Uh, uh, you can find that on all the social media links, all right? Thank you very much, guys. Love you. Bye. Peace.